What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back to analyze the UFC pay-per-view going down tomorrow night, UFC 264, headlined by the trilogy between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. This 13-fight car will take place in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the big UFC cage, and in front of a full fan audience for the first time in Las Vegas in about a year and a half. So really excited for this great card. And before we get into this card, we're just going to do a quick recap of the last event, the Gain versus Volkov card from two weeks ago. On the podcast, I went 8-4-1 on predictions and profited .14 units. So it was a good week of picks, but not the best week of bets. But we still ended in slight profit for the night. So that's really what it's all about, is ending the night in profit. And we're going to look to end tomorrow night in profit as well. I already have a few track bets I'm on up on my Bet MMA Tips page, but I'm definitely going to be adding more bets in the next 24 hours. There are a lot of bets I like that I haven't quite tracked yet, so make sure you check my Bet MMA Tips page to find all my official track bets before the card tomorrow night. So with that being said, let's get into the first fight on the card. This fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Alan Amadovsky as the minus 128 favorite, taking on Hu Yaozong as the plus 108 underdog. I'll start by saying I think both of these guys are pretty bad fighters and it's hard to trust either one so I'm kind of leaning towards the plus money right off the bat because I just don't think there's any way you can be betting Amadovsky as a favorite. Both of his UFC performances have been pretty bad so far. He hasn't fought in about two years and who also hasn't fought in about two and a half years. Both of his UFC performances weren't so great but I did see some clear improvements from who over his few fights. You know from the time he started his MMA career he dropped down from heavyweight to light heavyweight. Now he's at middleweight so you can see the evidence that Hugh is getting more serious about training his body's in a lot better shape and I thought we saw some clear improvements in the Rashad Coulter fight he looked to have some decent offensive striking and he was very durable in that fight he took some hard shots took a beating at times and was still coming back and throwing volume back at Coulter so there's no quitting Hugh and most of Hu's problems come from defensive grappling, like when he got taken down by Cyril Asker and submitted on the ground there. But if this fight stays in the striking against Amadovsky, I think it's going to be very even. And I think I actually give a slight advantage to Hu based on durability. We've seen him eat some big shots and keep fighting. We've seen his offensive striking look a lot better. So if this fight stays in the feet, I think I'm going to be siding with Hu to be landing his leg kicks, land some punches, possibly knock out Amadovsky because Amadovsky really has... Really bad striking in my opinion. The guy kind of just puts his head down and swings haymakers and he's not very durable, doesn't have good defense. And I think if Amadovsky wants to win this fight, he's likely going to need to wrestle. And he has wrestled a bit in his previous uh, MMA fights before the UFC, but we haven't seen it from him lately. I don't trust Amadovsky to do the right game plan to come in here and to grapple. So I'm not going to be trusting Amadovsky. Certainly not going to be trusting him as a favorite. So these guys really can't be trusted too much. I don't have an extreme amount of confidence in who, but I do think he probably should be the slight favorite here, honestly. So there is value on who. If you're feeling a bit risky and you want to gamble on this fight, I think who is the side to be on. Not sure if I will lock in an official track bet on who because this is just such a low-level fight, but who at plus money is the side to be on, and I'm going to be picking him to either win by knockout or decision. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Zalga Zumagulov as the minus 310 favorite, taking on Jerome Rivera as the plus 250 underdog. I'd say this line is a bit wide, and there was good value on Rivera earlier in the week when he was in the plus 270, plus 290, even plus 300 range, and betters are coming in a bit on Rivera here. 
I understand why, because Zumagulov really isn't the type of fighter to justify that minus 300 price tag. If this fight stays in the striking, I expect it to be pretty close because Zumagulov has more of a counter-punching style, and he is the much more shorter guy of the two. Rivera is long, he's a southpaw, he throws a lot of volume. The guy has really bad defense, has been knocked out a few times in the UFC. But Zumagulov isn't really the biggest hitter, and as I mentioned, there's going to be a big height and reach differential between these two. So I think the striking could be more competitive than we expect it to be. And the only really way that Zumagulov justifies minus 300 here is either knocking Rivera out on the feet or wrestling heavy to a decision. Because we have seen Rivera show him pretty bad takedown defense on the Contender Series in the Figueredo fight. He was taken down and stuck on bottom for long periods of time in both of those fights. So if Zumagulov comes in with a wrestling-heavy game plan, I do think he has the wrestling ability to take down Rivera. He doesn't have the most proven top game, so... I don't think he's going to completely dominate on the ground, but those takedowns should come pretty easily because Rivera is just a terrible wrestler. So I think there are two slight paths for Zumagulov to justify minus 300. That's either the knockout or the wrestling decision. And I actually have a small bet on Zumagulov by knockout here at plus 500 just because Rivera is quite hittable. It doesn't have the best chin. He's also cutting a lot of weight to make the 125-pound limit here. So I think if Zumagulov connects with the punch, he could knock Rivera out at some point. So I'm fine with a small stab on Zumagulov. Gulov by knockout. Money line wise though, I think the value is still on Rivera and Rivera at plus 250 is worth a small bet. Rivera's best chance to win this fight is to keep it standing, to stay long, to throw out a lot of volume, and to just give Zumagulov a lot of looks and win the fight in the eyes of the judges. And it's very possible because Zumagulov with that counter-punching style doesn't have the highest output, doesn't put a stamp on rounds in the striking. So watch out for Rivera to surprise some people in the striking here if he doesn't get knocked out. So the best that I think have value for this fight are Rivera Moneyline, Rivera by Decision, and Zumagulov by Knockout. And in terms of an official prediction, I will be going with Zumagulov by Knockout. Uh, let's go with a round one knockout for Zumagulov. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Brad Tavares is the minus 155 favorite, taking on Omari Akhmedov as the plus 135 underdog. I think this line is just about right, and people have been betting Omari over the past few days, and I think that's justified. At Tavares minus 170, I think, was a bit wide, and I really do cap Tavares more towards minus 150, mostly because I think this fight is going to be close for the first half of the fight. Omari is a solid fighter in all aspects of MMA. I don't think he's going to have much success taking down Brad Tavares because Tavares does have very good takedown defense, but the striking is going to be really competitive. Neither of these guys throws a high amount of strikes on the feet, so I just expect these rounds to be close in the first half of the fight, and I do kind of give Brad Tavares a cardio advantage in this fight, and I think that will start to take place in the second half of the fight, but pre-fight money line wise, I think it's dog or pass at these odds, because I just don't trust Tavares to justify that minus 150 price tag in the first half of the fight. I'm actually looking to live bet Brad Tavares here after about 5-7 to seven minutes, start to see how Tavares is doing with Omari in the first half of the fight, and if Omari Omari starts to slow down like he typically does. Look to get in a live bet on Brad Tavares here. So pre-fight money line wise, I think it's dog or pass, but I'm still going to be picking Brad Tavares to win the fight by either round three finish or a decision win and look to live bet Brad Tavares halfway through this fight. The official pick will be Brad Tavares by decision. The next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Jennifer Maya as the minus 185 favorite taking on Jessica I as the plus 160 underdog. 
I think this line is wide. I think Maya definitely deserves to be the favorite here, but I would cap her at minus 150 at best here. She's just not the type of woman to justify minus 200. I mean, she's only really justified minus 200 one time in her UFC career, and that was against Roxanne Matafari, which I think is a lot easier of a matchup than Jessica I. And I just had a really competitive fight with Joanne Calderwood. She was pretty soundly outstruck in that fight, but she ate a lot of shots. She kept coming forward. She had no quit in her, and she actually put up a pretty high striking volume in that fight. In the striking matchup here, I do expect Maya to be landing the best strikes with her boxing. I do think she has the better boxing of the two, but if Aya is throwing more strikes, she's more active, she's mixing in the cage push, the takedown attempts like she did versus Joanne Calderwood, I think that Aya has a really good chance to make this fight close and just make it more of like a 50-50 type of fight. And the odds currently have Jennifer Maya closer to 65%. I think that's off. So I think I am going to end up with a bet on Jessica I here. I'm looking to lock in some money line action and combine it with some decision as well for about a combined unit of one risk in total, a one unit risk in total, excuse me. So make sure you check out my bet MMA tips page. I'm going to be adding some Jessica I bets in the next 24 hours. In terms of an official prediction, I'm expecting a 29-28 on either side or a split decision type of fight. I guess I'll pick Jennifer Maya by decision as the pick, but I'm definitely going to be cheering for my bet on Jessica I here to pull off the upset victory. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Driscius Duplessis as the minus 117 favorite taking on Trevin Giles as the minus 103 underdog. Going into Duplessis UFC debut against Marcus Perez, I wasn't too impressed with the guy and was actually betting Marcus Perez there. Marcus Perez was winning that fight, outstriking Duplessis, but just got caught with some weird punch and ended up getting knocked out. So that was kind of a stupid outcome, and I don't think that Duplessis looked any good in that fight at all. I don't think he's really good at anything in MMA, honestly, so I am favoring Trevin Giles here in this matchup. Striking skill-wise, I think that Giles is the much better fighter, should be having success with his low kick and his jab here. The only really advantage that I give Duplessis in the striking is going to be power. I think he does have the more knockout power of the two, but he's not the better striker, so I cannot rely on him to land that knockout shot when he doesn't have the better skill of the two. The other option I can see for Duplessis winning this fight is to implement his wrestling. Trevin Giles doesn't have the best takedown defense. We've seen that throughout several of his UFC fights. But Duplessis isn't really a reliable wrestler or hasn't really outgrappled that many good fighters, so I cannot rely on him to do that as well. And I know that Trevin Giles isn't the most reliable guy. He has been winning fights before and kind of pissed them away and ended up losing, getting finished. Most particularly, the Zach Cummings fight comes to mind. But still, I got to side with him in this fight. I think he's the more skilled fighter. I think he's going to be landing the more consistent strikes in the feet. And as long as he doesn't get knocked out in some silly fashion like Marcus Perez did, I think that Trevin Giles is going to win this fight. So I'm siding with Giles here. And as an underdog, I think he is worth a bet. I think he should be the slight favorite in this fight, maybe closer to minus 130. So if you can get plus money on Trevin Giles, I think he is worth a bet. And I will likely be locking in some action on Trevin Giles in the next 24 hours. The pick is going to be Giles' decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Ilya Taporia as the minus 225 favorite, taking on Ryan Hall as the plus 190 underdog. I'll start by saying I'm not quite sure how Ryan Hall is still popular or relevant because the guy has four wins in five years, hasn't fought in over a year and a half, and his four wins are against very low level competition. I mean, Artem Lobov and a shot version of Gray Maynard, BJ Penn, and Darren Elkins. I don't think any of those wins are impressive. I mean, I think Ryan Hall is looking like a better fighter in those fights, but he just hasn't beaten anybody remotely good, and Ilya Taporia is going to be the best opponent he's fought by a large margin in five plus years so I just think it's going to be a very difficult night for Ryan Hall 
I think that he only can really win by submission. I don't think he has the wrestling or the positional grappling to take down Taporia and to outgrapple him to win rounds. And I certainly don't think that Ryan Hall can win the striking. When this fight is in the striking, I think that Taporia will be outboxing him, landing some hard shots, has a good chance of knocking Ryan Hall out on the feet because Hall's striking is just long kicks. He doesn't like engaging in the pocket. He's going to be flopping to his back, pulling guard. And I do have a bit of a worry that Taporia is going to follow Ryan Hall down to the ground. I think that Taporia will engage in the grappling a little bit. So I think there are going to be some close moments in this fight. I think that Taporia might make some bonehead decisions and engage in the grappling, get, in, get in, tangled up in the leg lock scrambles. I don't think he's going to get submitted, but I think he will have some close moments to kind of make that minus 200 ticket a little bit stressful. So I don't think that Taporia is a, a safe bet at minus 225, but I am going to be picking him here to outstrike Ryan Hall to avoid getting out grappled and getting tangled up in those leg lock exchanges and if Hall wants to win I think he is going to have to get in one of those leg lock exchanges and to get a submission because I just don't see him having the wrestling or the striking to out grapple or to outstrike Deporia here so if you like Ryan Hall in this fight I would recommend betting Ryan Hall by submission instead of money line and in terms of how I think Taporia gets it done, I think he will be close to knocking Ryan Hall out at sometimes. He might have him hurt or land some knockdowns, but I think Hall will land on his back and playing guard will kind of allow him time to recover. And Taporia will just kind of allow him to recover and not really follow up with ground and pound. So I expect there to be some close knockout moments, but I think it'll eventually end up going to the decision here. So the pick for me will be Taporia by decision. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Michelle Pereira as the minus 170 favorite, taking on Nico Price as the plus 145 underdog. I think the value in this fight is on Nico Price as an underdog, and I'm actually kind of leaning towards Nico Price to win the fight. In terms of recent competition, Nico Price has without a doubt fought in the better fighters, and he's actually done pretty well against them. He had that war with Tim Means that he got that crazy come-from-behind knockout. He was going to war with Vincente Luque. The judges had him winning that fight. One judge had him winning. One judge had it even. One judge had him losing. So it just contested. That was an extremely competitive fight against a great striker in Vincente Luque. I will say it was a bit of a concern how Nico Price had a close fight with Donald Cerrone. He clearly won two rounds there and lost one round, but he got a point deducted for eye poke. So that fight did end up a draw. But still, not a good sign that Nico Price wasn't able to knock out Donald Cerrone, especially when you see a guy like Alex Morono go in there and knock him out just a few months back. One big difference between these two guys is durability. I think that Nico Price is the more durable of the two. We've seen this guy be in wars, eat some big shots, and keep fighting. While we've actually seen Michel Pereira knocked out a few times in the regionals, Dusko Todorovic was able to knock him out, and I just don't think he's really faced a power puncher like Nico Price in a few fights. The matchups that he's been getting are actually kind of relatively easy. I do think that Michel Pereira looked like a better fighter in his past two fights, but I just think those were pretty easy matchups, and Nico Price isn't going to be nearly as easy of a matchup. Price is going to be aggressive, he's going to be in your face, he's going to be putting up high volume, and if you watch Pereira's last fight against Chaos Williams, I think his output in that fight has to concern you a little bit. He did not throw that many strikes, he made that fight a lot closer than it had to be, and honestly that fight could have gone either way when the judges were reading the scorecards. One aspect of this matchup that I think could benefit Pereira is wrestling. I do think that Michel Pereira has the wrestling ability to take down Nico Price. I don't think he's going to do a whole lot with the top position, but considering that I think this striking is going to be really even, I think there's a good chance that we see Michel Pereira look to mix in a takedown or two in this fight. As I mentioned, I don't think he's going to keep it for very long, but if it's a close round and Michel ends with the fight with the or ends the round with the late takedown, that could steal him the round. So make sure you watch out for that. 
When Michel Pereira gets pressured, I don't think he's very good on the back foot. I don't think he's extremely comfortable defensively. And I think that Nico Price is going to test him a lot more than he's been tested in his UFC run so far. I think this could look kind of similar to the Dusko Todorovic fight where Nico Price is going to be pressuring, putting up high volume, and he's going to be looking to land those hands in the pocket. And Nico Price is a hard hitter. He can mix up his offense very well with his kicks, knees, and punches. And I think that Nico Price is actually going to hurt Michel Pereira and knock him out here. So I'm going to be picking the dog, Nico Price, to pull off the upset knockout victory. And I'm going to be ending up with a small bet on Nico Price as well in the next 24 hours. Make sure you check my bet MMA tips page for that. So the pick for me is going to be Nico Price by knockout. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Max Griffin as the minus 188 favorite, taking on Carlos Condit as the plus 163 underdog. I think this line is just about accurate, and I was actually able to get some untracked action on Max Griffin about a month ago when this line dropped. I got him at minus 135, so I'm obviously very happy with that considering where the line is at. And I just favor Max Griffin in this fight. I think the striking is going to be competitive. I think you probably have to give a slight striking advantage to Carlos Condit. But Max Griffin is also a solid striker. He's got good boxing. I don't think he's going to be outmatched at any time during this fight. I think he's going to be in Carlos's face the entire time. And in the second half of the fight, I think that he's probably going to be the one outstriking Carlos Condit, especially when you consider that he can always mix in those takedowns. Max Griffin shoots a good amount of takedowns and has hit a lot of takedowns throughout his UFC career. And Carlos Condit is notorious for having bad takedown defense. I think he's actually been taken down the most times out of any fighter in UFC history. And that's an incredible statistic, and I think that Max Griffin is going to mix in the takedowns here and likely win this decision pretty comfortably. I doubt he's going to finish Carlos Condit, but I do expect Max Griffin to win a pretty comfortable decision here. The striking will be close, but the level changes of Max Griffin will be the differentiating factor in this fight, and I just cannot count on Carlos Condit to stop those takedowns. So as long as Max Griffin comes in here with the right game plan to mix in those takedowns, I don't think he's losing this fight, and I think he's going to win this fight by a pretty comfortable decision. Let's go with Max Griffin by 30-27 decision as the official pick. Moving on to the first fight on the main card, it takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Sean O'Malley as the minus 1,000 favorite, taking on Chris Motino as the plus 600 underdog. Mutino coming in here very short notice to replace Luis Smolka. A lot of fighters stepped up to try to fight Sean O'Malley, but for some reason, he is fighting a UFC debutante, Chris Mutino, and you know, I respect Chris Matino for stepping up on short notice here, taking this fight, but he just doesn't really have the skill to compete in the UFC quite yet. Watching his past few fights, the guy has bad defense. He's been rocked several times in the feet. I will say the guy has some heart. He doesn't have any quit in him. I saw him get rocked badly in a fight several times, but just kept battling back and ended up winning that fight by knockout in the second round. But I just think the guy's defense is too bad. His, he's too hittable, too chinny. We've seen him hurt and knocked out by several fighters in the regionals, and I just cannot trust him against a skilled striker like Sean O'Malley. The only possible way I can see Motino winning the fight is either an O'Malley injury or O'Malley rocks him really badly in the first round, tries to go for the finish, doesn't get it, and gasses out and loses the last two rounds. But that seems like a 5% outcome at most to me. I don't think that Mutino has uh, more than a 10% chance to win this fight. So I think Mutino is actually going to be getting knocked out in round one. I think he's just far too hittable. Sean O'Malley is too fast, too accurate with his punches. I think O'Malley is going to be knocking him out in the first round here. I hope it's not too ugly. I hope it's not too violent. Um, and hopefully they give Sean Mutino another fight in the UFC because this is just not a fight that he can win in my opinion. So 
O'Malley knockout by round one is the pick. I would be pretty shocked if O'Malley didn't knock him out in round one. So I actually do have a bet on O'Malley by knockout in round one here, one unit at plus 160 odds. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Irina Aldana as the minus 120 favorite, taking on Yana Kunitskaya as the plus 100 underdog. I think this is a pretty simple matchup to break down. Aldana wants to keep the fight at distance. She is the better distance striker of the two. Yana wants to get the fight in the clinch, wants to take the fight to the floor, and she's the better clinching grappler of the two. So it really depends on who can get the fight where they want to. And in my opinion, I'm going to be trusting Yana Kuniskaya to get the fight where she wants to more consistently. Irina Aldana just doesn't have good footwork, doesn't do well when pressured. When opponents pressure her, she kind of just backs up to the fence in a straight line. We saw that in the Raquel Pennington fight, the Holly Holm fight. We saw Holly Holm have a lot of success taking her down, and Holly Holm isn't even that good of a wrestler. So I think that Irina Aldana is going to have trouble staying off the fence in this matchup. Kunitskaya is going to pressure her, get her to the cage, get that cage push going, land some good knees, and eventually look to take the fight to the floor with her takedowns and her grappling. It's not like Yana is some elite grappler who's going to instantly take her down, but I just trust her to do the right things. I think that she's going to stay safe on the feet, be competitive on the feet, but eventually lose the distance striking exchanges get to the fight to the cage get the fight to the floor and just get the fight in her realm and she does that pretty consistently so i'm willing to trust yana kuniskaya here arena aldana did just miss weight she missed weight by a pretty good margin though so i don't think it's going to really affect arena aldana i like yana kuniskaya even before the weight miss and i have a one unit bet tracked on yana kuniskaya at plus 100 odds i think that she should be the slight favorite here I think that she has a better chance to get the fight into her range, which is the clinch and the grappling, and Aldana is going to really struggle maintaining that distance that she needs to outstrike Yana Kunitskaya here. So the pick for me is going to be Yana by decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Tai Tuivasa as the minus 135 favorite, taking on Greg Hardy as the plus 115 underdog. To be honest, I'm not really sure why Tai Tuivasa is the favorite here. I mean, the guy has won two fights in a row by knockout over Struve and Honeysucker, but I don't think he's looked improved at all in those fights. I mean, I guess he looked a little bit better in the Struve fight, but that wasn't an impressive victory to the slightest in my opinion. I think these two guys are going to strike with one another, and I think that... Greg Hardy is going to have a lot more success maintaining his range. Greg Hardy wants to keep the fight long at kind of kicking range where he can land his jab, his leg kick. He's the much longer, more athletic fighter of the two. While Taisu Yavasa is going to want to get this fight close into the boxing pocket, maybe get Greg Hardy against the fence and try to land some punches against the cage, I just don't think that Taisu Yavasa is going to have much success getting in close because Hardy's going to be jabbing him, he's going to be landing that outside leg kick, and I think Hardy's actually pretty good at maintaining his range, keeping a steady pace over the full 15 minutes. He did it against Jorgen Castro. he did it against Ben Sassoli, and I think this matchup could be a, a kind of a similar rerun to those two guys where Taisu gets stuck on the outside, gets picked apart with a jab and the leg kick, and eventually loses a decision here while getting outstruck on the feet. I don't think that any grappling is going to happen between these two guys. Neither guy is a good offensive grappler, so I think this fight is going to be primarily striking, and I just favor the more athletic, longer, better range finder, uh, better range fighter, excuse me, in Greg Hardy, and I think he's going to outstrike Tai Tuivasa to a decision here, looking to lock in a bet on Greg Hardy's money line at plus 115, just waiting to see where the line goes, and as I mentioned, I'm pretty surprised that Greg Hardy is still holding as the underdog here, I mean, I, I don't like Greg Hardy at all as a person, but as a fighter, there is value on him in this fight, and I think I'm going to be ending up with a bet on him at plus 115, and he's my pick to win by decision. 
The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as the minus 157 favorite, taking on Gilbert Burns as the plus 137 underdog. This seems like another pretty simple matchup to break down in my opinion. I think that Gilbert Burns needs takedowns early on in this fight if he wants to win. I do not think that Burns has a chance to win unless he grapples here because Wonderboy Thompson is just levels ahead in the striking. He's going to be too accurate, too damaging with his straight punches. And I think Wonderboy is going to have a lot of success outboxing Gilbert Burns with his straight punches. I just find Gilbert Burns to be way too linear, way too predictable with his offense. And he just doesn't have great boxing defense, doesn't have great durability. And we saw Kamara Usman light him up with straight punches in his most recent fight just about six months ago. Burns ate a lot of damage in that fight. And who really knows how his chin will recover from that beating that he took from Usman? So the way I see it, Burns needs to hit a takedown early on in this fight or he can't win. He's going to get outboxed. He's going to get hurt with strikes. And I think his chances just get worse and worse as the fight goes on. So if Gilbert Burns comes in here with an aggressive grappling game plan and attempts takedowns within the first round of the fight and gets a takedown, I think he can easily win the fight. But if Burns doesn't come out aggressive, doesn't chase that takedown in the first few minutes of the fight, I think he's going to start getting busted up really early. And I think that he does not have a chance to win outside of a takedown in round one. One. If he does get those takedowns, he has a good chance at tapping uh, Wonderboy out. He has a great chance at staying on top for the entire round. It probably is the entire round if Wonderboy Thompson is taken down, but I just do not trust the wrestling and the game plan of Gilbert Burns to come in here and execute his best chance to win. Even though we haven't seen Wonderboy face a grappler or wrestler in about five flights, the last wrestler he faced was Tyron Woodley, who was able to take him down a few times. I don't think we necessarily need to see Wonderboy Thompson's recent takedown defense because I think this is more about distance. This is more about um, the big cage. I think the big cage is really going to favor Wonderboy Thompson, and he's going to be maintaining distance so well, outstriking Gilbert Burns, that Burns is going to have a really tough time getting close enough to Wonderboy Thompson to attempt a takedown. So Burns really needs to explode come out really aggressive and force that round one takedown or else he can't win in my opinion and I'm going to be picking Wonderboy Thompson to not get taken down in round one and to outstrike Gilbert Burns and likely get the fight pretty dominant in rounds two and three we might even see Wonderboy Thompson knock Gilbert Burns out here so the pick for me is going to be Wonderboy Thompson I think the odds are just about right in this one I think Wonderboy Thompson might be a good live bet if he has a kind of close round one because I think he really should pull away in those last two rounds. So the pick for me is going to be Wonderboy Thompson to win by either knockout or decision. Let's go with a round three knockout as the official pick. The next fight is the main event of the card and takes place in the lightweight division. We have the trilogy between Dustin Poirier as the minus 132 favorite taking on Conor McGregor as the plus 112 underdog. Massive change in the line from the last fight. The last fight closed at McGregor minus 300, Dustin Poirier plus 250. So McGregor went from a 75% favorite to now about a 46% underdog. So massive change in the line. And to be honest, I think the line movement is justified. I think that Dustin Poirier does deserve to be the favorite here. I mean, we did just see him beat Conor McGregor six months ago, and all he needs to do is do the same thing he did again. Conor McGregor is the one who needs to make adjustments, who needs to deal with the calf kicks, who needs to make improvements in order to win this fight. So I think that Conor McGregor is the justified underdog. I think the line where it's at is about right with Dustin Poirier in the minus 120 to minus 130 range. I do cap Dustin Poirier's chances here at around 57, 60% at maximum. I'm not completely writing Connor off because I do think that Connor can win this fight with just a few adjustments. And the first adjustment we gotta talk about is the calf kicks, the leg kicks. How will Connor McGregor deal with the calf kicks? 
In my opinion, Conor McGregor's best chance to deal with the calf kicks wouldn't be to go back to that in and out karate style from his previous fights. It would be to stay in his same boxing stance that he did in his last fight, the heavy on the legs. He just needs to focus on checking those kicks, fighting a lot, little more conservatively. It seemed like in the last fight he was way too aggressive, didn't respect the power of Dustin Poirier, didn't respect the leg kicks of Dustin Poirier. He's going to fight more conservative this time. He's going to fight more measured. He's going to try to check those calf kicks, and he's not going to be leading as much in my opinion. I think Conor McGregor is going to try to counter a lot more in this fight. And it's a bit of a bold prediction because that's not the way Connor typically fights. He typically comes out aggressive and he kind of relied on his durability and his toughness throughout a lot of his fights. And he was confident in his chin, his durability in exchanges. He would march forward, he would eat shots, and he would land harder shots himself. But late into his career at this lightweight weight class against a skilled striker and powerful puncher like Dustin Poirier, Connor doesn't have that same durability, doesn't have that same ability to march through the fire and to withstand those big strikes anymore. Now the calf kicks definitely played a huge factor in the rematch, but it wasn't the sole factor that led to Conor McGregor's demise. Poirier was actually kind of figuring him out in the boxing exchanges. He was landing that check right hook of his. McGregor was kind of going to the well with the same combination, the same strikes too many times. And Dustin Poirier started to figure it out, started to figure out some clever counters like that check right hook that landed several times. And eventually was the strike that hurt Conor leading up to that barrage that eventually finished him and knocked him out cold. So the main focus of McGregor in this matchup is going to be checking those calf kicks, in my opinion, dealing with those leg kicks more efficiently than he did the first time. But in my opinion, I think he's going to be a little too focused on those leg kicks and maybe kind of neglect some other aspects of the fight because the fight isn't all leg kicks. Poirier can beat him in other ways. Poirier really gave him a lot of different looks in that first fight, mixing in the takedown, mixing in the clinch, killing some time on the clock. Poirier really showed his experience and his recent time in the octagon by tiring Conor out in those exchanges in the first round, taking some of the sting out of his punches, and I think he's probably going to look to do the same here, mix in some grappling, mix in some cage push, and to tire Conor McGregor's arms out a little bit. And what I just mentioned right there is why I'm favoring Dustin Poirier and siding with him to win here is that he has more looks to give McGregor. He can mix in that takedown. He can push Conor against the cage. He can go to that calf kick or he can just outbox Conor McGregor again. He just has a lot more ways to win the fight while Conor McGregor really needs to address the leg kicks, really likely needs to knock Dustin Poirier out in the first two rounds of this fight. Because as we know, Conor McGregor is not the greatest cardio fighter. Dustin Poirier has much more relevant recent experience in five-round fights. He went to war with Max Holloway, war with Justin Gaethje, Dan Hooker, and he really pulled away well in those later rounds in all of those fights. Maybe the Holloway fight, he didn't do so well in the, the, the second half of the fight, but you know what I mean? Poirier has that much more recent five-round experience. You got to trust Dustin Poirier more in rounds three, four, and five. So Dustin so Connor is likely going to need that knockout in rounds one or two to win this fight, and I don't think he's doing it. I don't think his power is the same as it once was. I think that Dustin's durability is good enough to withstand those big shots. In the rematch, Connor landed some flush punches on Dustin Poirier, but Poirier never really seemed that hurt by those punches, and that's just a true testament of how much more durable Dustin Poirier is at this 155-pound weight class. I mean, the guy has taken absolute beatings from fighters and come back, and the guy is so tough, and I just do not think that I can rely on Conor McGregor to knock out such a tough and durable fighter like Dustin Poirier at this point in his career. So the pick for me is going to be Dustin Poirier to replicate what he did last fight, to have success with the calf kicks, to outbox Dustin Poirier, and I think, or 
uh, to outbox Conor McGregor, excuse me. And I actually think this fight is going to last a little bit longer than the last one. I'm predicting around three or four finish for Dustin Poirier. And I think my official prediction is going to be a Dustin Poirier by round three finish. I don't think that Dustin's going to knock Conor out cold like he did last time. I think this fight is going to either going to be more of a TKO or possibly even a submission from Dustin Poirier. He could have Connor hurt, go for a takedown and choke him out. Connor might be hurt, shoot a takedown and get caught in that guillotine. I would not rule out Dustin Poirier submitting Connor McGregor here in these later rounds. So I think the fight is going to go a little bit longer, and I think that Dustin Poirier is going to finish Connor McGregor in round three here. Let's go with a knockout round three official prediction for Dustin Poirier. That was a bit of a long-winded breakdown, maybe a bit all over the place at times, but my consolidated thoughts basically are, do you trust Conor McGregor to make the necessary adaptations from the last fight? Is six months enough time for Conor to learn how to deal with the leg kicks, to gain his confidence back, to really deal with all of the, the, the different looks that Dustin Poirier is going to give him in this fight? And considering that Conor is late into his career, he doesn't have much recent experience, only has one win at lightweight in five years. And considering that he doesn't come out of a good camp, I don't think that John Cavanaugh is a good coach. I don't think that poor, uh McGregor has great training partners. I don't trust Conor McGregor to make the necessary changes for this fight. I don't trust him to do the right things. I don't trust him to respect Dustin Poirier's strengths enough. And I'm gonna that's kind of why I'm picking Dustin Poirier here. I think that he can replicate his last fight a lot easier than Conor McGregor can ad uh, adapt his last performance, if that makes sense. So Sorry if this was a long-winded breakdown. I know it was about six or seven minutes talking for this fight, but it is high-level MMA, and I can talk about high-level MMA a lot more than some of these low-level fights. But that is going to do it for this podcast, this whole card. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Hope you all enjoy the fights tomorrow. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at UFO underscore UFC. Make sure you're following me on my Bet MMA Tips page where you can see all of my official track bets. I am plus 11.3 units for the year so far. So make sure you check uh, tail on my bets. And thank you all for listening. Hope you all win some bets this weekend. I'll see you all before the next UFC event. Peace. Peace.